1: And without further ado, let's begin. So this happened to me and the man that I was dating back in the late spring of 2000. I'm an avid and experienced urban explorer. I visit many different abandoned sites. And this place that I'm talking about has been explored several times by others since, but... When I visited, it wasn't a common knowledge location and all the buildings were still intact, except for the main house which had, from what I had heard, burned down, leaving nothing but the outer stone wall. Nothing but the outer wall remains now and all the other buildings were torn down since I was there. So, to more recent urban explorers, it's known as the Stone Castle and more recently, the Osler Castle. This is the name given by the Heritage Society that has decided to fix it up. When my boyfriend at the time discovered it, he saw it in the distance from a roof that he was working on that day. And there's a large barn, a carriage house, and towards the back of the property, there was also a stable. The first weekend that we both had off together, we made the hour drive to explore it. The property was absolutely stunning too. On the top of the hill, back from the road, you could almost imagine living surrounded by such beauty, and we did exactly that. But we lapped up the experience, and it was a really nice place. The house itself was gone, except for the wall, like I said. And if you looked in the basement window, you could see an old stove sort of laying amongst the wreckage. You could tell that it had been a beautiful home at one time, to whoever owned it. Being the explorer that I was... I insisted that we investigate every single corner of every single building that was on the property anyway. And although my ex was less than enthusiastic about it, I insisted. I honestly just did not see the point of driving like for an hour just to look at the outside of the buildings. No, I had to go inside of them. So, the first building we explored was the barn, both upstairs and down. Down in the basement of the barn though is where things went from wow to oh my goodness this is not good really quickly. In the basement it had been used as a place for what looked like sacrifices of some sort. There was satanic artwork all over, a knife with what appeared to be blood on it and an altar with black candles, a bottle of what smelled like blood too but the most disturbing piece was that whatever satanic group was using it, they had built a makeshift cage out of the silo with chains inside and everything. My boyfriend at the time wanted to get the heck out of there as quickly as possible but I convinced him to stay so that we could explore the rest of the buildings on the property. I told him that it was probably just a bunch of kids just messing around so no big deal right? Wrong. Our next step was the stables at the back of the property and Honestly, I was so caught up in my love for exploring that he would not have been able to persuade me to leave without going in every single building no matter what, I opened the door into the stable and I think it was the smell that hit me first, rotting flesh and the entire room was littered with animal corpses, dogs, cats, rabbits, coyotes and foxes, they had been horribly mutilated. It was absolutely, hands down, the worst thing that I've ever laid my eyes on. As soon as my boyfriend saw that, he grabbed me and said that we were leaving right at that moment, and that killing animals is not stupid kids doing stupid things. This was something serious. So we started to leave, but there was one more building, and I really wanted to check on the way out the carriage house. He said no way we were going there and stomped off up the hill back to the main house, assuming that I would follow. I didn't follow. I went around the hill by myself and took a quick peek in the carriage house. The carriage house was very anticlimactic. It had absolutely nothing in it. It's actually a good thing too that I snuck off like I did because if I hadn't, we wouldn't have seen them coming. They would have been able to sneak up on us as we were coming up the hill and do who knows what to us. The first one that I noticed was an adult male with a baseball bat. He actually had opened our car door and was rifling through things in our car, trying to find a key I'm guessing. There were about eight people in total in the group, ranging from adults I would say in their 30s to teenagers, and children even no more than 12 or 13. All of them had weapons too, golf clubs, sticks, a cane, and baseball bats. I yelled at the guy what the heck he thought he was doing through our car, and my boyfriend came charging over the hill, bless his heart, right through the posse of creeps and weirdos who seemed to be lying in wait for us. It appeared that he had ruined whatever plans they had in mind because they immediately backed off. Some even tried to hide their weapons behind their back, which was just stupid if you ask me. Who wouldn't notice a baseball bat behind somebody's back, right? Baseball bat guy demanded to know what we were doing there, and... I demanded to know what the heck they thought that they were doing in our car, but he didn't answer, just looked at me all nervous. My ex-boyfriend said we were just admiring the architecture of the house and that we were just leaving. And with that they let us get into our car and drive off, which in itself was sort of a miracle, I guess, especially in light of what we had just discovered on the property. They did follow us in a black pickup with no plates, mind you, for a good 20 minutes. Instead of heading home, we went to the closest city, which was Barry, O.N., filed a report with a policeman who seemed more shaken than us, and we headed home. My ex never went back to that roofing job again, too. He had someone else finish it, and he went to another one. I wanted to go back, but after telling people what happened, I couldn't find anyone to go with me. My ex and I continued various explorations, but we both started carrying knives after this. I still carry one to this day too, even when I hike. I've not read of anyone else having similar experiences at Satan's Castle. Recently, my cousin, who is also an explorer, contacted me with a place that she wanted to explore. And guess where it was? And guess what? We've also made arrangements to go there in the next couple of weeks. So, on that note, and many years later, Satan's Castle Cult... I really hope that that's the last that I see of you. And to any other urban explorers out there, please be careful. You just never know what you might come across in these abandoned places. So I'm not sure if this would be considered paranormal or not, but it just seemed very, very weird to me. I'm an older woman, I am married, and I have one daughter who is 11, and this happened to both of us at separate times within a two-week span. First, my story. My husband and I, we don't share a room because he snores like a chainsaw and I apparently move way too much in my sleep. My daughter is autistic and suffers from serious anxiety, and more often than not, ends up crawling into bed with me. Well, one night, she wasn't even able to make it to her own room and crashed with me. I woke up after midnight, two uh, knocking on my window. My room is at the back of the house and my backyard is fenced and the gate is blocked because of my two pooches. I thought at the time that I was dreaming, but then there was another knock on the window and I heard my daughter's voice outside my window. She said, "Mummy, can you please open the door? I'm locked out. My sliding door, it doesn't lock. We block it using a metal safety rod. My daughter was sound asleep right next to me though, so whoever was outside was not my daughter. I chalked it up to a lucid dream and I ended up just going back to sleep. Now, a week later, I came home from my late shift. My daughter was sleeping in her own bed, thankfully. I settle in and fall asleep and... A few hours later, my daughter comes into my room and crawls into bed with me. I wake up and she says, "Mummy, why were you knocking on my window and wanting me to come outside? I was wide awake at this immediately and I sat up. What do you mean, hun? I've been sleeping for a while. Oh, I heard you say when you knocked on my window. Hey, rabbit, shortened from bunny rabbit, the nickname that she's had since birth. Want to come out and play? So I came here to see if you were outside. I didn't tell her what I had heard a similar thing a week prior. Like I said too, it's an extremely weird experience, especially since I'm really the only one that knows to call her rabbit. I should probably add too that I live in a town with a very large psychiatric facility as well as a maximum security prison. We don't have a bus station, so people who are released with no family join our very large homeless population usually. I also want to add that I don't know who or what it was, but the whole experience was just generally very creepy.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
1: I've been sitting with this story for many years now. It's not as uh, exciting, I guess, as most of the stories that I find here, but it is eerie and I wanted to see if anyone could give me an idea of what might have happened. So my aunt has owned a large piece of land... Over a hundred acres in Northwest Connecticut for many years now. Her property is located in a state park that is mostly uninhabited and only frequented by backpackers really. Her land is well off of any main roads and we have to drive through a lot of forest to reach her house. She bought the land and remodeled the old house that was already built on it so that it was more livable. And going up to visit her has always been my favorite thing to do. I've been going yearly since I was a baby, really, and have spent countless hours exploring the woods, the creeks, and the land around the house, too. We call it the farm, although it's not really a true agricultural or livestock farm. My aunt does have rescue miniature horses, alpacas, donkeys, and back in the day there were ducks, too. The animals are sort of on one part of the property, though, where the area has been sort of cleared out for them to graze and get fat and just be happy. But the rest of the farm is just untouched woodlands. So, in the early 2000s, she decided to install 12 foot fencing around the property, although it only really encloses about 80 acres of the land that she owns. She explained to me that she just couldn't stand the sounds of the coyotes howling right outside of her window at night, and that she had some really creepy encounters while living there. She didn't really go into details of these at the time since I was a young kid. She lives alone, so I understand why she wanted to feel a semblance of security in those deep woods. We are originally from the bayous of Louisiana, so being in this type of environment was new to all of us. Anyway, despite being initially unfamiliar with the land, I eventually learned to navigate the area very well as a kid. I had a few favorite spots and one was up a small foothill in the deepest part of the woods. I would go up so often that eventually I even made a small path that was established in the brush and I would bring my cousins with me to show them my little oasis. In 2008 when I was about 10 years old I took a summer trip to my aunt's and brought my best friend Alex with me. She and I often took trips here together during our childhood and This was not her first time accompanying me to the farm. I remember that we were in the woods at my favorite spot, sitting together and listening to Katy Perry while playing Doodle Jump on our new iPod Touches. This makes me laugh to remember, but we were just trying to enjoy some nature while getting our fill of new tech, I guess. We were there for a while, just enjoying ourselves and talking about random kid stuff, when, I don't know, there was just this shift in the air almost like a suffocating stillness and silence just settled over the entire woods. I paused the music and looked to Alex who was already staring at me with a concerned and worried expression on her face. We stayed still and silent for a minute, tilted our heads to listen to the woods and search out any of the familiar sounds that normally crescendo day and night across the farm. There were no birds, no summer bugs, And the trees almost seemed to stand frozen in place as if the light winds that normally rustled their leaves just left us completely. It was a a vulnerable, terrible feeling and I knew that Alex felt it too. And then began the sound of footsteps coming from even deeper in the woods. It took a moment for me to determine what the sound was but the distinct rhythm of weight being picked up and put down on leaves and brush was... Impossible not to notice. Whatever it was, it was bipedal and heavy and was coming up towards us from a steep slope down the side of the mountain or the foothill. I remember thinking that it was impossible for a human to move so easily through that part of the woods, since it was really thick with growth and fallen branches and trees and rocks, even making it hard for an agile small child to navigate, let alone a large adult. It also felt as if the woods just laid still and wait while these footsteps made their way swiftly up the steep incline towards us. Do you hear that? I asked Alex in a whisper and she nodded. It sounds like footsteps, I continued. She nodded again, looking like she was about to burst into tears and it was at this point that I took her hand and began running down the makeshift path with her, trying not to fall or let her lag behind me at all. We didn't stop until we reached the house, too. We were out of breath when we got back, but nobody was around, and I don't think that we told anyone that day because we were just too shaken to even comprehend what might have been out there. The next day, though, I asked Alex if she would go back out to the spot with me. She was really hesitant at first, but... Eventually agreed and said that we could go back and look for signs of another human. We made our way back, nervous but determined to discover what had invaded our little sanctuary. When we reached the spot, I looked down towards the direction that we heard the footsteps coming from. I think I even sat down a bit to investigate possible indentations in the brush and the leaves and whatnot. I didn't go too far obviously because I was about to lose my nerve and I hadn't noticed much anyway so... I quickly climbed back up to where Alex waited nervously for me. We decided that it must have been some sort of an animal or a deer, despite every logical explanation indicating otherwise. I know what deer sound like and that was way too heavy to be a deer, but I wanted to forget and just have some fun again so I brushed it aside. We took our iPods out and began the same ritual of relaxing and playing games while chatting about nonsense again. It seems that things were back to their sort of natural order again so we quickly forgot about the terrifying experience and let our naïve childlike wonder take over. But after a little while, that same stillness returned and it happened so quickly it felt as if the forest took a gasp of air and just never exhaled. This time, the footsteps started almost immediately too. They were louder and coming from a different direction this time. The best way that I can explain their location is that it was in a similar spot to the day before, but somewhat more to the right where the forest was really dark and the incline to reach us was less steep. I didn't wait too long though this time to run, but it was long enough to realize that the sound was faster, closer, and definitely not a deer or a bear. I didn't look into the woods too closely because I wanted to get the heck out of there obviously and was too scared to see whatever it was. I knew that it was close enough though that... It would be upon us at any moment if we didn't flee. So without a word, Alex and I took off and ran as fast as humanly possible out of those woods again. This time, whatever it was, it kept chase with us for a little bit before finally the forest seemed to go back to normal as we were heading out of it. Now, I wish that I had more to give you guys, but that is the first creepy experience in the woods that I ever had. I have since had a few more, as I'm an avid backpacker and love the outdoors, but the experiences on her land have always been the most bizarre and inexplicable. If anyone has any ideas about what the heck this was, then please do leave a comment, because I would love to hear your theories. I think about it every time that I'm in the woods, too, and it still sends chills up my spine when I remember it. When I was in 5th grade, our washing machine broke. That really sucked too for my mum because she had to hold two kids to the laundromat every weekend until the landlord got us a new one. It also really sucked too for me because of what I had to endure every time. You see, there was always this man there, older and scruffy. I don't know why he was always at the laundromat. I don't recall him doing much laundry to be honest. He would chat with my mum and us, and whenever my mum was out of earshot, he would whisper like vile, awful things into my ear. My mum would usually give me a few dollars to go next door to the grocery store and get a magazine Cosmo Girl or something like that. My memories of these days in that laundromat are of just sort of sitting there, staring at my magazine, trying to burn a hole with my eyeballs as I attempted to block out what he would tell me. He told me what he would do to my body, in graphic detail, what I would taste like, what I could do to him. Again, in very graphic detail, naming every body part in the most vulgar terms imaginable. Anyway, after one such day on the car ride home, I was just feeling so gross and dirty and embarrassed and all I could do was work up the courage to tell my mum that something was really weird about this guy. She immediately scolded me for being rude said that he was a nice guy or something like that and that was the end of it pretty much but there was this one day that she asked him to keep an eye on my sister and I while she ran to Dunkin Donuts next door I was nearly in tears pleading with her not to leave us there to let us come with her but she just brushed it off and went luckily nothing happened but I was for sure in fight or flight mode the entire time until she got back I don't talk about this to anyone, really, because it's so upsetting, but I want people to know that with a scared, humiliated kid, without the right words to explain what's happening, so-and-so's really weird might be all that you get. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't brush your kids off immediately and don't trust friendly strangers. I still won't go into a laundromat to this day. start off, I was 10 years old at this time, and back then, my grandparents used to own a whole apartment complex, and the leasing office was attached to our house in the complex, so this is where I spent most of my childhood. My grandmother would run the office, and my grandfather would do all the physical labor around with the other workers. So... I spent a lot of my time in the complex riding my bike, walking my Jack Russell, playing in the creeks behind the trees, like normal kid stuff, nothing crazy. I always felt safe around there, and everyone knew me as the owner's grandchild. Certain parts of these memories do get a little bit foggy as I get older, so I can't remember every incident, but I do remember enough to know this man, and something just wasn't right with him. You see, when my grandmother first leased the apartment to this man, I never knew him until I actually met him. The first time that I did meet him, I was walking around the complex, doing nothing in particular, but minding my business, and I see him. He approaches me and begins to make small talk, and me being friendly always spoke back. He mentioned how he just moved in. His apartment is super cool, and he doesn't mind if me and my friends ever want to come over, didn't really think anything of it at the time and agreed but things started to progress the more that I'd see him around and eventually I knew that something just wasn't right. The next time I met him I was walking around the entrance of the apartment complex and to add Mercer County Community College was right behind the apartment complex so I used to travel over there and you could sort of cut through the college by the entrance of the apartments I was only over there because the overhead bridge that looks down into the creek was there, and I used to enjoy peeking over and seeing the fish swim around. And well, once I was done looking, I turned around and there he was, in the walkthrough of the apartments in the college, peeing into the bushes. He sort of turned towards me, exposing himself and apologizes for me seeing him like this. Of course, me as a ten-year-old... Your brain doesn't really process things as easily, so I told him that it was okay and walked away. He just stood there, reminded me about the apartment, and that was the end of it. I went home. Now, he started getting really creepy because the last two encounters, I very clearly remember, were the final straw to all of it. And little 10-year-old me started to realize that this wasn't okay. I was walking my dog Buddy one day, and he sees me again and approaches me. He asked if he could pet the dog. I was hesitant but agreed because my dog is very friendly and I never taught him to be mean. He crouched down to pet him and yeah his thing fell out the side of his shorts. And this is when I realized that he wasn't okay. He sat there petting my dog and groping himself very visibly for me to see. I was appalled. I honestly didn't know what to do and alarms were raising in my head. I just stared at what he was doing as he asked me what I like to do, if I'd like to come over and play games with him. I just told him one day and told him that I better get going so I finished walking the dog. The final encounter I had my best friend who was 10 at the time and my sister who was 3 at the time over at the house with me and we decided to take the dog for a walk. He was fun to walk with, very hyper and would sort of drag you if you let him. We were walking in the backyard of some apartments and, lo and behold, he appears, almost like he knew that we were there, like he was watching us. He began to casually talk, complimenting my dog and asking us if we wanted to see his dog. My little sister agreed and walked a little closer as he pulled out his phone. I was fooled for a second and thought, maybe he really does have a dog. He crouched down next to my sister and started showing photos. As I got closer... I realized that he was showing nude photos of him and his dog. And then I realized, again, he was groping himself and had exposed himself through his shorts again. He was way too close to my baby sister for comfort and obviously made me very uncomfortable. I mean, he could have snatched her and ran if he really wanted to, and I always think about that. I was in a state of shock as I realized he was inviting us over again. My best friend realized that this was creepy as well and we just sort of exchanged looks. I knew that I needed to get us out of there though so I bent down to pet my dog and I clipped his leash knowing that he'd dart away at intense speed and he did just as planned. We yelled the dogs loose, grabbed my sister and noped out of there and left him exactly where he remained just staring. We ran home in tears telling my grandfather everything I experienced since the day that he moved in. I felt horrible knowing that I let it escalate so long to the point that others around me were exposed to it. The cops were called, he was arrested on the spot, and we had to tell everything to the child investigators, the cops, and the news. It was a lot, and after he was gone, reality really set in, and so did the trauma. But I swear that that dog saved us and got us out of there, and I miss him every day, because if I didn't have him, I I wouldn't have known what to do, to be honest. I just think more or so about what would have happened if I fell for going to his apartment, or even worse, if he got his hands on a child that was ten times more gullible than me. The messed up part to all of this though is that he only stayed in jail for the weekend until his family bonded him out. I had a really weird experience in Congaree National Park outside of Columbia last winter that brought me to these kinds of places. It's a beautiful boardwalk that goes through the swamps and the cypress forest that's in them. Now I lived in Columbia SC and frequented CNP so I'm familiar with the area. I often would jump the fence and walk the boardwalk at night as it's super peaceful to walk the swamp and hear all the wildlife They never have a ranger or a guard there after hours, so I was always alone too. The last time that I did this was in October of 21, and I was taking my usual stroll with flashlights in hand. I should also mention, again, between the insects and the frogs, the sound is really loud, but then it just completely stopped when I was about a mile in. I heard what I thought was my wife call out for me from the trail ahead, but... She wasn't there. I was alone and she was out of town. Suddenly, I then heard water sloshing to my right and saw nothing with my flashlight. I chalked it up to just being tired and I tried to keep moving. The wildlife started up shortly after this and everything was okay. But maybe 15 minutes later, I noticed it got eerily quiet again and heard swamp water sloshing on my left but this time it was more deliberate, like somebody was walking through it. I was in a thick portion of the cypress and I couldn't see more than 20 feet in front of me and then I heard my wife's voice again. Again, she wasn't with me though and she was out of town, certainly not moving through a swamp at like one in the morning. It was at this point too that I could have swore that I saw what looked like a a human silhouette for a split second. But then it was just gone. Whatever it was, it was very skinny, pale and taller than me at six feet. And upon seeing it, I noped the heck out of there and ran almost two miles back to my truck and didn't slow down until I heard the wildlife again. Like I said, this is a boardwalk that's in a swamp in the boonies. Nobody's walking around in the water at night without a light or ever and... I don't know of any animal that big that walks in bipedal pattern and have spent my life in the outdoors, so I would know of it. I feel that I should add that I wasn't high or sleep deprived, I just liked the woods at night. I was so freaked by this though that I came on to hear and I listened to some of the stories and now I'm convinced that I encountered a crawler or a wendigo or something else that can mimic voices. There's no way that some meth head was stumbling through the swamp miles from civilization. That sounds exactly like my wifey. But, and again, it is also South Carolina, so who the heck knows? G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Bee Scared podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality.